y'all listeners. This is Hold On, I'm Coming by Sam and Dave. I'm going to let this rock and then we'll get into the pro. Welcome to episode 151 of the Blake Mayfield Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Mayfield, and I'm here today with Judy Flores. She is the current superintendent of Shasta County Schools and is running for re-election, which takes place on Tuesday, June 7th, just a few days from now. Judy, how are you? Doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing good. Thank you for coming. I appreciate this oh, very much. Bet. Yeah. This is the first time I've had a, a local politician or local, uh, I guess, person of importance on here in a while, so I appreciate it. And then a few days before the election, I, I think it's a big deal. So thank you. I appreciate your time. Welcome. I want to give a special shout out and thank you to all the Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcast listeners. Thank you guys very much for tuning in. And I want to give a shout out and thank you to the YouTube viewership. Thank you guys very much for tuning in. I appreciate it. And I also want to give a special shout out and thank you to our sponsor, Black Rose Coffee and Tea. And now, a word from them. This episode of the Blake Mayfield Podcast is brought to you by Black Rose Coffee and Tea. Are you starting a brand new diet and want something organic and delicious? Want to support a locally owned and operated family business? Have you ever tried peanut butter in your coffee? Well, if you answered yes to any of these questions, then you should try out Black Rose Coffee and Tea. At Black Rose Coffee and Tea, you'll find all sorts of pairings you won't find anywhere else, such as the white chocolate and peanut butter blend called the Ecstasy, organic on-tap kombucha, and the chance to make your furry best friend Instagram famous through their at dogs of Black Rose page. Visit Black Rose Coffee and Tea at 9539 Old Oregon Trail in Redding, California, open seven days a week. Bring the kids, dogs, or whoever you hold near and dear to you, and rethink the way you coffee today. And without further ado, let's get into it. So, again, thank you for coming. I appreciate it very much. You're running to get reelected as superintendent. Uh, first time you've had to run against someone, which I found out. I thought that was really interesting, actually. It's the first time that you've had to, like, uh, not, you know, just campaign, but campaign against competition. But I want to kind of go backwards, and then we'll move forward to present day. You were the assistant superintendent from 2007 to 2017. Um, I kind of just want to get a, a backstory on you a little bit and kind of what you did beforehand and what your life was like before becoming assistant superintendent and then superintendent. All right. So my husband and I moved up here in 1990 when I became a teacher at Shasta Meadows School, taught fifth grade there, uh, was involved in leading uh, math programs to support students, uh, and had moved up from teaching in the Bay Area uh, and had taught down there for five years. And so uh, after about eight years of teaching, uh, our oldest daughter was born. And so I took some time off, got my master's in administrative credential uh, during that time. And when I came back to the district at Enterprise Elementary, I had the opportunity to jump in and do work at the district level. Uh, I led their math program really in support of fourth and fifth grade students in how to make math something that students really understand. Uh, and from there, opportunities just kept coming my way. Uh, I had the opportunity to then move up and uh, take responsibility for professional development for the district, curriculum adoptions for the district, uh, then looking at assessment and how do we track assessments and how do we use assessments to really help teachers 
change what they're doing in classrooms to meet students' needs. Uh, and so by the time I left that district, uh, we were doing some things that were receiving awards across the state uh, for what our schools were doing, right? Not what I was doing, but the systems we had been we had put in place that really supported our kids. And so uh, we had the respect of local districts, and they were asking, uh, can you come help us? And so that really became part of the reason I applied for and uh, came to the county as the assistant superintendent. And so over the course of that 10 years, I was able to work closely with many of the schools in the county, really understanding each one has different needs. Each one has different personnel. Uh, and has different strengths, different students, different families, right? And really helping them understand areas to focus improvement efforts. And so over the course of that time, we brought on other staff. Um, we went from a department where I was really the only one in support of schools and districts to now there's 14 uh, who work really in support of our schools and districts. And the reason we've been able to expand is through grants that we've written, uh, one of the very first grants that I wrote was for mathematics uh, to help third through eighth graders uh, better know and understand math by uh, helping teachers uh, know, know ways to teach it for student understanding. And so uh, we were able to receive over $10 million in grants during that 10-year period of time that were all in support of teachers and school counselors in order to be able to better um, better lead the work that they do. Yeah. Before we get to kind of how you've dealt with the pandemic and, and stuff like, you know, unfortunately school shootings and like the heavy subjects, I kind of want to get into, I find it interesting. In 2019, there was no competition basically when you re-ran and, and, you know, you were elected from there and you came in in June, 2017. Does this feel a little different just this time right now, 2022, you know, running against someone and having all these you know, countrywide and, and global events that hit home for kids and whatnot. How does just this year feel and how does this compare to the last time you were up for re-election? Well, so to clarify, uh, in 2017, Tom Armolino, who was the county superintendent at the time, left before the end of his term. And so uh, I interviewed alongside someone else uh, and was unanimously selected by the board to complete Tom's term. Uh, and so then I ran unopposed in preparation for the term that began in January uh, 2019. It was a very different time. Uh, you know, when we think back to, to where we were, uh, you didn't see the political unrest that we see now. You don't see, you didn't see at that time uh, the division that exists within our county uh, over a whole bunch of different issues. Right. Uh, and so, you know, when you think about that, uh, the roles of what schools have played uh, in our community has varied from what we've seen in other parts of the state even. So, for example, uh, when you think about last school year in the 2021 school year, our schools were all in person as opposed to other parts of the state where they were in distance learning until about March or April of last year. Uh, and, you know, all of that has created uh, great opportunities for our districts to come together and really work together to say what's in the best interests of our students. Yes, you know, certain things are not ideal, but really it is in the best interest to get as many students back in seat as we can. And how do we need to partner with public health, with other agencies in the county and at the state level in order to see that happen? 
And so it's been a very different role. You know, having watched uh, Tom Armolino for 10 years in the position, he was in the position 11, but I wasn't here his first year. Uh, but watching him over that 10-year period, um, so the, the role is so much different than what he uh, was faced with. You know, no car fires, no right. uh, fires of any kind, right? No pandemic. Uh, and the, the position really allowed him the ability to spend more time uh, doing other things than, than what I've done, uh, especially in the course of the last few years, which has been really that uh, support for our schools and districts as we think about what do we need to do to stay open who are those relationships uh, we need to build with local agencies and how do we bring those groups to the table in support of our schools and districts, as well as what information do we need to share at the state level so that they understand our realities and uh, don't get in the way of our ability to continue to operate. Uh, And so all of those have been um, you know, key pieces of how the role has shifted and changed. I'll give you one example. Uh, so in January of 21, uh, the state was in the process of getting ready to reopen schools across the state. And one of the things uh, that they decided was that students needed to have at least six feet of space between students. Well, we had been operating since August with less than six feet of space, and we had data to show through Shasta County Public Health. We had been gathering that data through schools. We had been helping uh, to make sure that that was all gathered across all of our schools. And we, we could show to the state through uh, the data we had collected that we were not seeing transmission on school campuses over the course of that year with less than six feet of space between kids. So we were able to advocate uh, with the governor's education advisor, with uh, leaders at with uh, California Department of Public Health. Uh, I brought two from Shasta County Public Health as one of as well as one of the district superintendents with me, and we basically pleaded our case to say, "Let us stay open. This is better for our kids. We're not seeing transmission, and we were allowed to continue to stay open." Uh, with less than the six feet of space. So it's just one example of the type of advocacy uh, that I've taken on, on behalf of our students, on behalf of our families, and on behalf of our schools. Yeah. You seem very confident in your track record, you know, as you should be. What is it like, you're running against Brian Caples for superintendent, First time you've ran against someone, how do you approach this a little differently than running unopposed or just kind of getting appointed? I mean, is there something that you and your do you and your team strategize? I see the the, the yard signs everywhere. I, I see you everywhere. Um, that's why I was excited to have you on today. How do you approach running against someone and kind of you know commercials and whatnot? I mean, it doesn't seem like there's and I I, I like the way you do it where it doesn't seem like I have to prove I, I'm better than Brian Cables or, or anyone, you know, just he's the guy that you're running against. But how do you approach it now that you have to run against someone and, and beat someone out for this position? Mm-hmm. To me, it was really important that the campaign be a reflection of who I am as an individual. Uh, to me, a couple of things that are really central core to who I am are uh, operating out of a sense of integrity and respect. And that has been something important to me throughout this campaign. 
uh, through forums, through uh, how we approach commercials, through how we approach everything that we do. It's not about calling out faults within somebody else, but it's highlighting uh, the amazing work that we're doing and really uh, calling on the community uh, to recognize and uh, come alongside us in wanting to see that continue. Yeah. Did you ever think, and I, I think I know the, the answer is no, but I mean, how do you deal with like a pandemic and the school shootings and people, you know, wanting armed officers or armed teachers on campus? You know, that's been a, a point of contention and a discussion here, at least in Shasta County for a few years now, you know, and I think the big thing that happened was Sandy Hook 10 years ago, but we've seen it, you know, with Texas, we've seen it with, you know, the top supermarket in Buffalo, um, which wasn't a school, but still, you know, just the idea that someone could come and, and harm kids and do basically kind of whatever they want. What is your approach and what would you do if you were tasked with that, figuring out how to, you know, should we have armed teachers, should we have armed officers? What's your stance on that? Well, you know, when we think about um, the role of schools, our primary, one of our primary responsibilities is to keep kids safe. There's really, you know, at the bottom line, that's central to who we are uh, and what we need to be about. Uh, most of that responsibility really rests on local school boards uh, to figure out their school campuses, how they want to approach that, because they have the funding to be able to make those decisions in terms of are we going to uh, lock up all of our facilities and have one entry point uh, are, you know, so all of those decisions about staffing, about uh, resource, school resource officers, all of that comes through the local school district. And so what we do as a county office of education is really to bring together people on a regular basis to talk about safety, to talk about crisis response. And so, you know, the one of the roles that I feel really that is really important from a county office, especially in a county with as many school districts as we have, is to be that go-between between school districts, our charter schools, as well as community agencies. So, you know, when you think about the sheriff's office, when you think about our local police, in the case of, of shootings, for example, we have quarterly meetings where we are bringing law enforcement and then others together to really talk about and be prepared as much as we, I mean, you never can be fully prepared, right? But as much as we can be prepared about what can we learn from recent events that have happened, how can we make our campuses more safe? And law enforcement has been a part of those meetings with us uh, over the course of at least the past couple of years that Mike Freeman has been leading that work within our office. And so he invites law enforcement to come. We have our school site administrators there. District administrators are also invited to participate. Uh, and that becomes a key part of the safety. But if we dial that down a little bit, you know, one of the things we know is that uh, one of our large issues is really looking at mental health. And we've got to come to the place where we're willing to take on and do that kind of support in the area of mental health to recognize uh, potential problems much earlier. And so there's a whole body of work that we've been involved in through a grant we received uh, that really has put in place uh, a community within our schools who's focused around wellness, right? How do we 
help students feel that sense of belonging within schools? How do we help them feel more engaged within their classrooms? Uh, Because the more engaged they are, the deeper the relationships they have with their teachers and others on staff, the less likely they are uh, to move in these other directions. So that has become a key. Another key has been uh, a whole area that we've been now two years in operation, which we've called Community Connect, where schools who are are, um, faced with a family or a student who has significant needs that goes beyond what the school is able to provide they're able to make a referral to us, uh, to this group called Community Connect that's, that's um, coordinated through our office. And then we make referrals out to the right agency. Because oftentimes, you know, depending on uh, a student's insurance or whether they're on Medi-Cal, depending on the age of the student, depending on uh, whether it's support for the family or whether it's support just for the student, there's a range of Uh, potential agencies that a family could be referred to. And we don't want the family to be searching for what's the, you know, what meets my needs, right? And so through this connection with Community Connect, we're able to better understand the needs of the family so that we can make that right connection the very first time. And last school year, we had 600 students referred. The biggest need that came through those referrals was mental health. This year, we're closing in on a 1,000 referrals. Uh, we've got a week and a half, or well, I guess about a week now yeah, uh, that right. school <laughs> remains. And uh, when you think about that, having a 1,000 students whose needs will have been met or begin to be met through these connections with mental health services or supports in our community to help turn the corner for them, I think has been a dramatic and really powerful piece of the work we're doing on the early intervention side. Do you think the mental health, I'm just going to call it a crisis. It feels like a crisis in the country for adults and children alike. You've been assistant superintendent since 2007. That's when the iPhone came out. Now kids have TikTok. They got their own iPhones. I mean, I remember I had the little tiny iPad or iPod growing up. I didn't have a bunch of access till I became a little older. Whereas you know, I see like my little sister, she's had her own cell phone since like 10, 11 years old. So you bring up the mental health crisis and, and a lot of the referrals being in mental health. How do you plan on, if getting reelected, helping students deal with that? And I mean, how much, I don't want to say control, but how much do you think you can even kind of help or control? Because I mean, a lot of that stuff boils down to, you know, the parents and, and the access and the internet and stuff like that. But these kids, they're very hyper aware. I think that's where a lot of the anxiety and stuff comes from. They're aware that, you know, Uvalde happened. They're aware of all this stuff compared to, you know, when I was a kid, it, it, it didn't, stick out like that you know you're more worried about if people like me and 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 basketball and running track and stuff how do you deal with the mental health crisis how do you guys continue how do you plan on continuing to help out children and whatnot with this topic at hand yeah i i'll say it's not easy right if it was easy we would have already figured it out but you know one of the things uh, that we just received this last week was a a 14.1 million dollar grant over the course of the next five years to really dig in further in this area around mental health Uh, and where we are planning to focus in addition to continuing what we're we're doing right uh, is as we think about younger children and really getting them off on a positive start and doing uh, 
class opportunities or training opportunities for parents alongside their children uh, so that uh, we help parents understand the importance of time away from screens, time outside, uh, and uh, the importance of routines and some of these other things that, uh, as you described what's happened in the last 15 years, some of those things have gone away in some families, certainly not all. Uh, but through this grant, our intent is to work with preschool students who are struggling with behavior and or, you know, um, mental health regulation, all the way up through third grade. That's where we're starting. We will continue to expand the grade levels as the years go by, but to really dig in uh, as we think about the students we're serving both in after-school settings as well as during the school day to help them uh, get to the place where they are better able to regulate and share what their emotions are uh, and, and be in that position to really be heard Right, so oftentimes we don't feel heard, and so we seek for other ways to be heard. Uh, and so when we think about um, the supports we will be bringing to schools, it's really about uh, empowering and adding additional people on school campuses so that, that students have that opportunity to really feel heard. And I'll, let me give you an example, even from the current year. So uh, in one of the uh, programs that we have right now. It's really around supporting behavior and mental health. Uh, and we partnered with Catalyst Mentoring because one of the things that uh, we saw early on was well before a referral that a student might need uh, assistance outside of a school day, they just needed somebody to come alongside them uh, while they're at school. And so we partnered with uh, Catalyst Mentoring and they have over 120 mentors who are working with students this year during their lunchtime, coming on one lunchtime a week and just having one-on-one -on -one conversations with kids, letting them know that I'm an adult who cares about you, and I'm here to listen and uh, let you know that I do care uh, and, and build you up. Uh, and we are just seeing a tremendous uh, result from that investment. Uh, and so, you know, it's one of the things we're really looking forward to expanding in the year to come because we know there are more kids that would benefit from having a mentor that they can talk to. Yeah, absolutely. You, you've been running the campaign for a while. You've been Judy Flores, the superintendent. You've had that hat on for, I assume, months now and, you know, for the better part of 15 years. But over the last two years in particular with COVID, with the mass shootings with just opening back up, trying to figure out how do we navigate this thing. How has Judy Flores, the person, been? And how have you navigated all this? I mean, you at a certain point, you I'm sure you have felt exhausted, beat, you know, just like, I don't know where to go at this point. This is a lot. we got to pull a lot of strings, you know. And, and Shasta County, you bring it up in the beginning where it is very, it is very divided right now. I mean, we saw that with the recall election of Modi back in February. I mean, it is a very... Um, divided place politically right now. I still think if something like a fire or something were to happen, the community would come together because we always do. But Judy Flores, the person, how have you dealt with the last couple of years? And how did you come to the decision to, to run again? I mean, it seems like it wasn't too much for you because you wanted to do it again and keep helping out. But how have you been over the last two years? Well, it's a, it, to me, it's really important uh, to take care of myself. 
Uh, because if I am not my best self, I can't be good for anybody else. Uh, and so, you know, one of the things that's really important to me and one of the ways that uh, I take care of myself is getting enough rest, uh, drinking a lot of water, eating healthy. Uh, and I, I walk, uh, I, uh, I, whether it's on the treadmill in the morning listening to a podcast or uh, whether it's taking a walk in the evening, it's something that's really um, uh, allows me the ability to process and, and think about things. I'm also an avid reader. Uh, I love to learn new things. Uh, and not only do I like to learn them for myself, I like to share the, what I'm learning with others. Uh, and so that's been something I've tried to hold true to. I, I will tell you, I haven't read as many books this year as I've read in previous years, but uh, it's something that's really important to me and uh, something that really grounds me, right, and keeps me learning and in that learner's mindset. Because when I'm learning, I'm much more curious about life uh, and looking for solutions. And so all of that uh, has, has been really important. Uh, I also love to go to the coast. Uh, the mm. ocean is the place for me that uh, allows me to truly unwind. Uh, it's tranquil. And so, yes. Yeah, uh, and so we, my husband and I uh, like to get over there a couple of times a year and spend a good, good deal of time just uh, taking it all in. Yeah, absolutely. What's something that, you know, you're, you're on a very strong campaign, you have a very long track record here in the county. What's something that you guys maybe not have even messed up, but just something that you wish you had done better that you guys are working on that you'd like to improve on uh, in 2022 and beyond? In terms of the campaign itself? In terms of just whether it's politically, whether it's just making sure, you know, that we bring up mental health, we bring up uh, distance learning and stuff like that. What's something that you guys feel like you can just do a little better or didn't yeah. do well that you want to kind of rebound on and, and do well the next time around? Yeah. So it's an interesting question. One of the things as I have um, been going through this campaign, I've realized how much the community as a whole, outside of the education community, uh, but the community as a whole doesn't really understand the work of the superintendent of schools and the work of the Shasta County Office of Education. So one of the things we're looking at is how do we better communicate and what is the information that people really want to know about the work that takes place uh, by the superintendent of schools and through the county office of education. Uh, our schools know it. Uh, our district superintendents and charter leaders know the work that we do, but in the community as a whole, you know, trying to get a sense of what is that information that would be most helpful uh, just to, to make it more clear and uh, to help people access. I mean, we have over 40 different programs, and I don't know how many in our community really know the, the level of support that's available through the county office. So communication with the community beyond education, I would say, is one of those areas. How do you approve upon that? Do you think you can do that coming to platforms like this or would it be doing stuff with you know, KRCR? Like, How do you think you guys improve upon the communication? Well, you know, it's interesting. Last week, uh, O2 Staffing put on a, um, a training. It was called the Gener Generational Shift uh, at the Cascade Theater. And one of the things that I learned in that was the importance of the use of video. And I would say we've not done much in the area of video. And yet when we look at our younger generations, our Generation Z, for example, uh, video... It's all 
TikTok and it Snapchat. Is. And yeah. So how yeah. do we how do we make inroads in that area to help them understand what it is that we do? I mean, others will take advantage of video, right? I, it's not uh, that generation only. Uh, and so that's where I really want to dig into that and uh, see how do we share what we're doing. But before we jump in, you know, headlong in that area, I really want to, uh, through conversations and meetings with uh, a variety of people I've had throughout the campaign, find out, you know, what would be most valuable. Uh, I, I have a pretty good sense of what our education committee community values, but what is our community beyond education value uh, that they would like to stay informed about? Uh, I've had a Facebook page uh, that I try and keep up, uh, but, you know, the day job gets in the way of, you know, always tracking uh, through social media. But there are not, there are a lot of people in our county not on Facebook, right? And so how do we uh, capture uh, the information to be able to share out with the broader community. Yeah. What's your favorite part about being superintendent? What's something you personally enjoy the most about having the role? I mean, is it the kids? Is it helping out? Is it, I guess that's for you to answer, but what is your favorite thing about being superintendent? And I mean, you've been doing it for a very long time. So what are just a few of the things that you enjoy the most about it? You know, when I first decided to uh, move in the direction of this position uh, through applying and then and then running a campaign four years ago, it was because I didn't want to see the work that we were doing go away. It was way too important to me uh, to see these systems we had built that were really in support of students, of families, and our schools. I wanted to see those continue. And I know that with any new leader comes a new vision for, you know, direction in terms of what might be those priorities. Uh, and so I wanted to see that continue. And I would say that that really has continued. But one of the things over the course of the last probably four years has been this focus on uh, bringing in partners from outside of education to really be partners with education. Uh, when we think about the relationship we have with organizations, I mentioned Catalyst, the work we do with First Five, the work we do with HHSA, the work we've done with uh, a variety of agencies here in the county, uh, that's not work that had been done before. And really maximizing resources by working together on common outcomes, that has been really re- rewarding. What is one thing that you would say to someone that isn't fully convinced? I mean, you have a good track record. Uh, I remember talking to Rebecca Lewis, shout out to her. She's the one that kind of bridged the gap for me to, to ask you to come on here. Uh, she was very nice and, and helped me out with like a reporter reel thing I was doing for the local news. What's one thing that you would say to someone that isn't convinced, someone that doesn't know who they're going to vote for, whether you or Brian, we're still a few days out from this and they're going to go down and and do it at City Hall or wherever they can do it out on Tuesday. What's one thing you would say or one thing you want to kind of put in their brain to be like, hey, I think I deserve the nod? You know, I think it's important to understand what the role of the superintendent of schools is. Uh, And it's easy to talk about that by talking about what it's not first. So I don't have any control over curriculum that happens within schools. I don't have any control over uh, staffing issues or student discipline or parent rights. That was my next question is what do you kind of actually control? So, you know, all of that is left up to the discretion of the local school board. 
But really what this position is all about is how do we best support our students and our schools? And so when we think through that lens, uh, every county in the state is different, right? We serve different communities. We have different size districts. Uh, we have different ne levels of need within the county. Uh, and so when you think about that, and different levels of funding, right? I mean, that's another piece. Uh, we've applied for grants that we really see meet the needs of our community. And so because of that, the work that we do is truly in support of students and, and schools that, that are here locally. And one of the things uh, that I would say to voters is to take a look at my website and see the list of endorsements that I have. Uh, I have 23 district superintendents that are endorsing me. I have uh, many school principals, parents, uh, superintendents of schools from other counties, many business leaders. Uh, you know, it's a long list. Over 450 people so far have, have come on board. That is a long list. Yeah, uh, to, to endorse me. Uh, and the reason for that is they know who I am, they know the work that I've done, and they want to see it continue. And so uh, that, I would say, is the strongest reason is really those who stand with me and seeing the value of this work. What do you say to people that, because you bring up, you don't control the curriculum, you don't, con I mean, there's a lot of things that you can do, there's a lot of things you can't do. Um, you have to go and talk to, I, I don't think it's actually, you know, Governor Newsom or anything like that, but you have to go and talk to the state about certain things like distant learning, like transmission rates and stuff like that. Do you find it difficult, because this is a little more conservative up here compared to the rest of the state, do you find it difficult to work with the state at all? Do, have you found it to be just a lot of like speed bumps and whatnot in the road, or is it an easy process for you as superintendent to kind of not, I want to say get your way, but just kind of know what's best for the local community. Do you find it okay? And do you find it easy to work with the state on that kind of stuff? Or has there been a lot of, a lot of gaps? Well, it's an interesting question. Uh, when, when I think about the, uh, the path that I've been on, you know, the first 10 years in this position, I did much more work connected at the state level. Um, through the County Superintendents Association, there's a group that's called Curriculum and Instruction Steering Committee. I had the opportunity in 2013 to actually lead that committee for the state. And so there's a year where you're chair-elect, and there's another year where you're past chair. So for three years, I met regularly with leaders uh, in Sacramento. Uh, and those were, in the day, all face-to-face, -face, <laughs> you know, no Zoom. Uh, and so I was down there quite often, and I got to know on a personal basis many people in Sacramento. Uh, and that's how I was able, when I mentioned earlier about uh, the meeting I was able to get with the education advisor to the governor, I actually know him. I have his cell phone number, right? Uh, and it's through a relationship that's been developed over many years. He realizes our community is not like... Uh, much of the rest of the state. And that's why it's important to me. And, you know, I have on my website different letters I've written just this this year in trying to paint the picture of how things look different here. Uh, and I don't ever get pushback. I've never gotten pushback. It's I don't often get uh, responses that uh, work in our favor, but they the response I usually get is, thank you for bringing the perspective of the North State. And so to me, uh, that's important, that's important, you know, uh, and so I have written letters uh, over the course of this year to Governor Newsom. 
I have written letters to leaders in the Assembly and Senate, always including uh, Megan Dolly and Brian Dolly in that mix, but I know where they stand, and I'm trying to also bring forward uh, the information, our data that we've collected, and that's another one of the roles that I see as really important that I play is to gather the data around different topics. One of them was the vaccination rates of our staff and teachers, right? Our classified staff and teachers. So that before they go down a pathway of requiring vaccines, that they would know what a severe impact that would have on the North State. Well, right after that letter was sent, the bill was pulled and it didn't move forward. But I had gathered all the data, sent it in because I I wanted them to know the impact because it it would have devastated the North State. Uh, Absolutely. I agree with you on that you've been here for a while. Do you ever think about, and you're running for re-election, so it doesn't seem like in the next you know, two to four years you plan on leaving, but do you ever think about expanding? Um, I, I wanted to bring up and the question, you know, you said you love going to the coast. You know, people come here because they love the mountains and the area and everything is only a few hours away. Do you ever plan on, I don't want to say leaving, you know, the state or anything like that, but do you ever think about kind of like something bigger and brighter or do you just want to be here and just kind of focus in and just the North state is where you're at and you love it and you want to stay here? Well, you know, uh, we raised our kids here. Uh, my husband and I were both teachers in Hayward Unified. And because of that, we knew we would never be able to buy a home in the Bay area. And so when Simpson university moved up here in 1989, my dad was a professor at Simpson. And so we chose to follow my family and come up here a year later Uh, Three years after we moved, our oldest daughter was born, and we found this to be a great place to raise kids. Uh, And I loved, you know, our kids were in the public school system. My husband spent 30 years as a teacher within the public schools here in Shasta County. Uh, And this is a community that we are very connected to. Uh, And so, you know, it's definitely a, a community. I've My sister lives here. My parents live here still. Uh, and it's a community that we, we feel very connected to. And, and have I been given uh, Yes, I've been asked to apply for positions uh, in other parts of the state. Uh, earlier on, before I became superintendent, I received several of those. And yet, uh, I, I would much rather do a deeper level of work within one county than take on a position that's so much more removed from students. What's one message you'd like to spread or just kind of get out there ahead of the election on June 7th? Is, is there anything in particular that, not to sway anyone, but just something that you want them to know represents you, represents kind of your campaign, represents just what you're trying to do to help students? Is there any sort of message or, or anything in particular? I think I would say that um, the information that I have shared, whether it's through my website, whether it's through uh, commercials, whether it's through forums, uh, whatever venue has always been transparent. I I don't hold anything back. I'm not trying to hide anything. Uh, Whatever the questions are, I strive to answer those. I want people to truly understand uh, who I am and and what this position can do, what our office, with the amazing people that we have, uh, what we're in the process of doing. 
Uh, so that really has been the most important thing to me is uh, just being able to celebrate the work that we're doing and uh, really encourage the community to come alongside and really want to see that work continue. If the local community does pick Brian Caples on Tuesday, do you plan on going to do superintendent stuff or go be superintendent somewhere else? Do you kind of just go, I don't want to say into the sunset, but, you know, go into the sunset, do something else? Is I mean, I'm sure you fully expect a win, but is there any sort of plan B whatsoever in case things don't work out the way you hope they do? Well, as I mentioned before, my husband is retired. Uh, I didn't have to run again. I may choose to retire, although, you know, I'll cross that bridge after the election results are in. But, uh, you know, I, I love what I do. Uh, I love the team I get to work with. And I, I hope the community gets behind that and wants to see that continue. Um, but, you know, there's no uh, – when I thought back to last summer, uh, my husband and I were on the coast and spent a long time talking about uh, whether or not to run again, Right. Uh, as I mentioned, he he was retired, and and I was weighing you know pros and cons. And it, it th- after a long discussion, it was super clear to me that this is something that I'm passionate about and really do want to want to see continue. Thank you very much for coming. I don't want to take up all your time. We got 41 minutes. I appreciate it. You answered a lot of heavy hitting questions. I didn't know how they were going to go. To be honest with you, um, I appreciate you coming up here. You know. F- Five days. I'm putting this up tomorrow, Friday the 3rd. But I appreciate you coming up here five days before an election. I think it takes a lot of guts to so close to something so major to come up to a platform like this and whatnot. And you know, I'm not backed by anyone. I'm, I'm just a podcaster. So I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. I just want to let you know that you know time is appreciated because I know time is money. So I know you're very busy um, and I had a good time. So thank you for answering my questions. You're welcome. And I really appreciate the opportunity to come uh, sharing is one of the things that's really important to me uh, and getting the word out to our community so that they truly do know and understand uh, the work that we're doing and why we're doing it. So thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you. If you guys have made it this far, thank you for listening. I'll be back here sometime next week, and I will see you guys later. Have a good day.